If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe to the Raised with Jesus podcast in your favorite podcast app. Raised with Jesus, 10 minutes of David life with Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading for the 4th of July, 2019, looking at the second portion of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 17. Now in giving you this next command, I do not praise you, because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, I hear that when you come together as an assembly, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. For there also have to be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. So when you come together in the same place, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For when you eat, each one goes ahead and takes his own supper, and so one person goes hungry, while another is drunk. What? Don't you have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise God's church and humiliate those who have nothing? What am I to say to you? Shall I praise you? In this matter I do not praise you. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, in the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the meal, he also took the cup, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Instead, let a person examine himself, and after doing so, let him eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For if anyone eats and drinks in an unworthy way, because he does not recognize the Lord's body, he eats and drinks judgment on himself. Because of this, many among you who are are weak and sick, and quite a few have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not be undergoing judgment." However, when we undergo judgment, we are being disciplined by the Lord, so that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that your coming together may not result in judgment. The rest of my instructions I will give when I come. This is the word of our God. After talking about Christian freedom and testing God, especially in chapter 10. Chapter 10 was where Paul had introduced the idea of the Lord's Supper, and in the specific application there, he made the point that you are a member of whichever altar in which you eat from. And the point in chapter 10 was don't be testing God by eating, um, joining in these, these festival meals at the temple of these, of these fake gods, of these, of these idols. Don't be testing God because you cannot be a member of that table and sharing in the fellowship there and also a member of the table of the Lord. And he kind of comes around back around to the, the topic of the Lord's Supper here. And this is one of the fullest explanations. I think it is the fullest explanation of the Lord's Supper in the entire, uh, entire Bible. And it's also one of the four places where we have the words of institution recorded. Because you'll notice that the words of institution are important. Not because there's some kind of hocus-pocus magic words, but because it provides the setting and the promise of our Lord by which he continues to fulfill his promise today in making himself present in the supper.
So the words of institution, of course, recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the three synoptic gospels, and then here in 1 Corinthians 11. And these words are important. <laughs> I mentioned hocus pocus. Um, that's that. It actually comes from the Middle Ages when this worship service would be conducted in Latin, and these very poorly instructed priests. Um, They'd be trying to fumble their way through saying, Huck S. Corpus Meus, uh, this is my body. And they just kind of fumble on through, and, uh, hocus pocus. And then people are like, okay, you know, that's that's when the magic the magic happens so that um, Jesus is present together with that, if they even understood that much. Anyway, that, that's, <laughs> that's a little bit off topic, I suppose, because that is a completely different abuse of the Lord's Supper, but just as much. Because what we have here is Paul reiterating the blessing of the Lord's Supper. And the first characteristic that we see here, even before he gets into the discussion proper, the first characteristic that we see is that it is a fellowship meal. A fellowship meal in which we demonstrate our love together um, for one another. And in their setting, they would probably have worship in the evening, um, not on a particular day. Well, you know, pick a day. But um, they didn't really have a set work week the way that we do, like Monday through Friday, and then the weekend is Saturday and Sunday. And so they would probably choose a day and have evening worship service after, after that day's work had finished. And then each person would bring um, some of the, the bread and the wine that they had from that day for uh, sharing in the Lord's Supper. And after the initial service of the word, which is very similar to ours, where they have, you know, confession of sins, um, or reading from the Old Testament scriptures, the New Testament scriptures, they sing a psalm or two or three. Then they get to the, basically the second part of the service where they have um, the service of the sacrament. And they have an, an offering, they have prayers together, they share in a fellowship meal, um, kind of like a potluck in the middle of the worship service. And then they conclude that with the Lord's Supper. And what was going on is these rich people who perhaps didn't have to work as hard during the day, um, these rich people bring in their, their fine wine and artisan breads, and then the poor slave class would also bring in you know the, the leftover crust from the day and um, and their their portion of the wine from that day and some are getting drunk, others are going away hungry and Paul's like, come on, you're totally totally missing the point this isn't this isn't number one it's not about you. Number two, drunkenness is a sin, obviously. Um, verse 22, verse 21, I suppose, um, kind of sets the stage. If you imagine that, you know, meeting together in somebody's house, maybe on a monthly basis, um, meet at one house for a month and then move to another house for a month until they have sufficient numbers to have a facility or a building, maybe a, a synagogue building or <laughs> uh, what used to be a synagogue building. Because even Sosthenes, if you look back in the book of Acts, um, Sosthenes used to be the synagogue ruler there in Corinth. And then Sosthenes was the one who would kind of, he brought some charges up against Paul in, in order to try and get him kicked out of the city. And the administrator just threw the charges out of court and Sosthenes got beat up by his fellow Jewish people. And so here, when Paul is writing 1 Corinthians, Sosthenes is already a Christian. Kind of interesting sidelight. Um, anyway, verses 21 and 22. 
for when you eat, each one goes ahead and takes his own supper, and so one person goes hungry while another is drunk. Each one takes his own supper, meaning bringing out the elements that they had brought with them. Um, not that they they should be sharing in common, because this is a common union, this is a communion, a fellowship, a sharing together, but they are they are acting in such a way that is completely against the very character of the Lord's Supper, in some people going hungry and in others going drunk, you know, going the very character of the Lord's Supper is fellowship, and fellowship means also moderation, that um, that those who are hungry are fed, and those who aren't as hungry um, don't require as much food, I guess, and that nobody's going home drunk. But Paul's like, you're you're totally missing the point. Uh, verse 22, don't you have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise God's church and humiliate those who have nothing? What am I to say to you? Shall I praise you in this manner? I do not. And then after, after he kind of clears out that misconception, that misunderstanding, he gets to verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. And then he quotes Jesus exactly. And what this is, is um, probably, you know, after Paul's conversion, he spent about three years in Arabia. And he mentions this, um, I think, in Galatians. Um, I'd have to double-check, maybe in Timothy, First or Second Timothy, I don't know. But he spent three years in Arabia, and it's during those three years when Jesus had met with him personally and instructed him and told him um, about what had happened in the upper room. And Jesus gave him you know, the exact understanding and the words of what had happened and what had transpired. And so Paul quotes that here. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Um, this is this cup is the New Testament in my, in my blood. Do this at all, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The words matter. I suppose as we, we conclude here today, the words matter because... Jesus really sets the scene, and he makes his promise. And so we, in, in faith, we trust him to fulfill that promise again. And so we, we remind everybody of when did this happen. On Monday, Thursday evening, the night when he was betrayed, in his last will and testament, um, Jesus, in a very solemn way, he's not talking metaphorically, because a metaphor would be backwards from this. <laughs> a metaphor is like, I am the door to the, to the sheep pen. I am the way. I am the bread of life. Jesus turns that around and upside down. This is my body. And he doesn't explain it as a metaphor, because if it, Jesus says, I am the gate of the sheep, I am the door, um, or I am the water of life, I am the bread of life, he goes on to explain it. But when he says, this is my body, that's a promise. And it's a very solemn promise that he makes for you and me today. Take and eat. This is the New Testament in my blood, the new covenant where your heart has been sprinkled and your body literally has been sprinkled with the blood of God himself for the forgiveness of sins. And so as you go about your day, as you celebrate your 4th of July, um, remember not just the freedom that God has given to us in this country, but even more so the freedom that Jesus has given to you in his supper. 
We'll pick it up tomorrow with verse 27 because there's a lot of interesting application there. But um, you can give us a follow on Instagram at Raised with Jesus or on Facebook. Just search for Resurrection Mommy. And we have worship um, through the summer, Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at 2250 South Holland Savannah Road in Maumee. God bless your day. We'll conclude with a little song from Koine. Salvation unto us has come by God's free grace and favor. Good works cannot avert our doom. They help and save us never. Faith looks to Jesus Christ alone, who dared for all the world atone. He is the Yeah.